We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Knicks all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. And we're going to be talking... Knicks, NBA playoffs, and go around the league a little bit today. And we've got fantastic guests. Uh, I don't even need to introduce our first guest, but I will. ESPN National NBA reporter Ramona Shelburne. She covers the league. You can read her, ESPN.com. I'm sure you see her all over your TV. She does a great job around the league, but she has a lot of insight on the Knicks. So we're looking forward to picking her brain on the Knicks. And we have CP from Knicks Fan TV, someone else who doesn't need an introduction uh, because I'm sure you know of him. Knicks Fan TV shows uh, around the calendar, particularly post game on YouTube. Now, Ramona, I'd like to start here with you. Were you surprised by this Knicks season? Yeah. I mean, I, I think last year was kind of a, a step back for them, obviously. And some of those step backs felt like, um, regression to the mean right like in other words they had played above their heads during the bubble year the next year when there's fans back in the stands and the pressure's back and the league's had some time to adjust it felt like a sort of regression to what they probably were talent wise and and so yeah I I gotta say I'm surprised that they bounced back in the way they did it that they did and I'm especially surprised Julius Randle bounced back the way he did um you know he looked like a guy who just not even physically but mentally had to take a leap forward he had to take a leap forward just maturity-wise, mentally, just handling all the pressure that goes into being a superstar in the Knicks, an all-NBA player. And, you know, he I had a conversation with him this year, and, when, you know, he talked about sort of how he did it. And a lot of it was he, he kind of lost himself and his kids. He let go. He took some. T- he really took some time off in the offseason, got away from things, and um, and I think learned how to let things go a little bit more because he's a perfectionist. You know him, right? Yeah. He's a he's a perfectionist. He he holds on to things. He has a bad game. He holds on to it for days. Like, and I think he's really worked on that. That's obviously what you have to do. And it it's actually kind of a baseball player mentality. Like I you know I cover mm-hmm. both sports, and it's you know they play 162 games. You gotta let, you gotta let that go. There's another yeah. game tomorrow, right? And yeah. and for Julius, one of the things I admire about him is that he plays every game. Now, I know he's got this ankle injury and stuff, but this is a, this is a there's only a few of them left in the NBA. Right, yeah. play every night. Mikhail Bridges is one of them. 
Julius is another. And I thought um, he really set the tone for them. And, and you know, you can – I'm sure people make jokes. Oh, that's the – you know, Tibbs always plays so many minutes or whatever it is. Julius wants to be playing all those minutes. Yeah. Julius yep. wants to play every night, you know? And, and I think that sets a tone for your franchise when your best player does that. And I think the other thing I was surprised at, I don't think anybody in the league knew how good Jalen Brunson was. Did, did you? I'm surprised. I, I know. He I mean, I thought he was a good player. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I thought he was a good player. I did not realize he was a, you know, a, I thought he was a sidekick to Luca, like a nice scorer, but I thought they overpaid for him. And then I was like, oh no, he's, he's legitimately that good. Like I'm, <laughs> I still have sent, I have not sent in my all NBA ballot and I'm, I'm trying to find a spot for him on it. Cause I think he deserves mm. it. I don't, it's going to be hard with the guards this year. It's, yeah. it's really tough, right? Like tough you have a list of like 10 guards. And you're like, okay, who do you leave off? Um, I thought he should have been an all-star. I thought he should be an all NBA player. Um, but it's, it's the one, I didn't realize Randall had that in him to have that good of a bounce back Two, Jalen Brunson, man is, is a lot better than people gave him credit for. And now he's got his Villanova guy, Josh Hart, in the mix. Like, to me, Josh Hart's the new John Starks, right? Like, he's like the <laughs> villain. Everybody's going to love to hate, like, you know, around the league. And the, he's going to be perfect for the garden. Yeah, so I, they, they've, got a, they've got that kind of a team. Ramona, I have a quick follow-up, actually, for you. Yeah. I'm not asking you for your all-NBA sure. teams. But for you, when you put them together, how much do you factor in winning? And so how much would the idea that the Knicks uh, exceeded expectations yeah. with Brunson? I'm a, big, I'm a big person on winning. Like, that when I have, like, I'll tell you right now, the two guys that I'm trying to find a spot for are Drew Holiday and Jalen Brunson. Because I think Drew Holiday's had the best year of his career, and he was so important for the Bucks this year while, while Giannis and Chris Middleton missed a lot of time. And they're the best team in the league. They're the best record, the best team in the league. And, like, I think that should be rewarded. It shouldn't just be Giannis that gets flowers for that. Um, and I think Jalen's contributions contributing to winning matter. Now, his injuries and stuff towards the second half of the season, I think, hurt him a little bit in terms of, like, when you really start splitting hairs. Because we get into, you know, I'll tell you who it comes down to. I, I, I literally have not set my ballot in yet. But it does come down to things like games played, if, you, if you're close, you know, like, I'm looking at Dame Lillard, and then you look at Brunson, and you're like, how far apart are they in terms of games played? Dame Lillard absolutely deserves to be an All-NBA player, but he, they shut him down, and he didn't play as much this year. So let's, you know, when I, when I finally get down to it, make the last calls on those, that, those are the kinds of things that matter. Uh, Ramona, what did you think about the job that Tom Thibodeau did this year? I mean, they started out the yeah. game slow, 10 and 13 by the end of November, early December. Yeah. Pressure starting to build, and he makes the rotation change, and they go 37 and 22 the rest yep. of the way. Number three offense in the league from that point. What would you think about the job that Tibbs did? Did you say that again? Number three offense? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not what we know from Tibbs. And I, I actually think he's evolved, you know? Like, he... First of all, Tibbs is like one of my favorite coaches to cover in the league. He's like he's great content. He's a good, great character in the league because he is what he is. Like he's not trying to be – he's not fake. He's not trying to impress you. He's not trying to like charm the media. Like he just is who he is. Like we were making fun of him with his shoes today when he came through L.A. And he was, you know, having fun like showing off, how, you know, how well he dressed, right? He's, um, but he's like he kind of <laughs> plays his role now. Like he's comfortable in his own skin. He is who he is. And I think players get that. Like, I know there's a lot of players in the league that will say, I don't want to play for Tibbs. And, and I'm like, why? Like, Tibbs is a great coach. And, like, the players who love playing for him love playing for him. 
and they're and uh like when I, when I walk around that locker room like I don't I don't they have a bunch of guys who love playing for them like they, I don't I don't see many malcontents I don't see much griping in there um and that matters to winning like that matters to how a team responds to a tough start um and I thought like when you let Tibbs do his thing he's gonna have a good you know he's gonna have a good team and I thought one of the things that I thought impressed me this year is that he did evolve offensively. Like he kind of let guys start doing what they wanted to offensively as long as they played defense um, the way they, he needed to. And I thought that was an evolution for him. And I also think he's got that, like, um, I don't want to call it Doug Collins rap, but Doug Collins used to be a guy who was so passionate and intense. You know, he'd come in and have an immediate impact, but he would burn out and maybe the team would burn out after a few years. And usually that narrative with Tibbs was the same. Like, you know, first year, big impact, second year, Maybe they take a step forward third year. People are getting tired of getting yelled at or whatever, the, you know, practicing mm-hmm. all the time. Um, it didn't mm-hmm. happen this year, right? I mean, like, nope. like mm-hmm. they actually they went against the narrative, the, against the Tibbs narrative, which tells me, A, they have the right players in there, and B, he's changed. Like, he's yeah. made that adjustment too. Yeah, and I don't know if it's a chicken or the egg kind of thing, but winning, I know, has, you know, obviously cleared up any – or covered over any yeah. blemishes that go may go on with this team behind the scenes. Like I think Tom Thibodeau last season, you know, he, some people in the locker room just questioned whether he was holding everybody to the same standard and that stuff's going to come to the surface when you're yeah. losing, but now you're winning games and that's all that matters. And Ramona, big picture with the Knicks, Leon Rose, someone else, you know, well, how do you think he has done as team president thus far? You know, it's interesting with their front office because, you know, I, I don't like that Leon doesn't talk to the media. Um, I've told him that to his face. Like, when I saw him this year, I was like, come on, man. You got to be a little more accountable. It's just, he's never been that way. Like, he, even as an agent, he was never a media guy. Um, so, I, you know, this is, this is kind of him being himself as well. But I thought with, um, I thought with Leon, like, what they have in that front office is an interesting mix of people and personalities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some, sometimes it's good to have different personalities in there. Like, you have different voices, people with different perspectives. I think with the Knicks, maybe they need a little more clarity in that front office, which is sort of it's, it's how you kind of end up the way they did with the Donovan Mitchell trade, right? They, there was maybe too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, and that's Leon's job to manage that, right? Now, mm-hmm. Leon worked at a team at, at CAA where he managed a lot of disparate personalities and players and agents and all that. And so – I think you'll start to see a little more of a voice or a homogenous voice or thinking uh, going forward in that, in the way the organization works. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But you have to remember, like, this is his first time doing this too. Yeah. So he brought in people he's had long business relationships with who have expertise that he can trust. And, you know, one thing I will give him credit for is I thought there was a lot of pressure on them to make the deal for Donovan Mitchell a lot. And especially when they didn't do it, like, and they got off to a poor start and Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell has this great start in Cleveland, like that, that's hard to sit through. Yeah. And, you know, that's hard to, especially in New York, I'm sure you guys were killing him all the time. Right? Yeah. Like, I'm sure, yes. I'm sure that was not, uh, that was not comfortable for him, but he didn't panic. Like he didn't do anything stupid in that moment. He just kind of kept his calm about him and he was patient. Um, and you see the reward of that, right? You see the, you see the benefit of that. Yep. And they still have all of their picks left. They have, still have all of their assets yeah. left. And so maybe they have been a little gun shy. You know, like they, I think there were some deals they could have, they could have done that would have helped them this year or next year or in the future. But it's better to sit, to sit it out and wait 
than it is to make a deal and feel rushed if you're not all on board. Um, right. And, and I think it's worked out pretty well right now to the point where they're in great position. This is going to be a, be a live off season, right? Like uh, I'll use that phrase. Like give me a lot of, a lot of moving uh, people in terms of not mm-hmm. just free agency, but trades and the Knicks remain very well positioned. And I think the way that they play is appealing to, to a lot of players. Uh, yeah, two-part question, Ramona, based on what you just said. Yeah. Ha- has has that changed? Ha- ha- is it more appealing to be here now? Because I know at the end of the Carmelo era, the players were looking at it yeah. like, I don't want to be the savior. I don't want to have to, you know, take every sling when we lose. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, obviously the, the flip side is you get, you're a hero when you win, but it, it was a tough position. Do you think that has changed now? And then I'll ask my follow-up. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think it's changed in that we really don't hear all that much about Nick's dysfunction. Ever since Leon took over, I haven't heard that much about Nick's dysfunction. He's run a pretty clean, tight ship here. Um, but I'll tell you, I'm going to give you the same answer that we used to talk about in L.A. Um, you know, they would always ask Kobe, like, how come you don't recruit free agents? You know, like, he famously, like, went to the Dwight Howard meeting and was like, oh, why am I here? You know, like, well, well, I shouldn't have to sell this guy. I'm playing for the freaking Lakers, you know? I mean, and, and, and the truth, and Kobe would always say this, and it's, I think it applies to the Knicks as well. The person who is going to take the torch, who wants to take the torch from me, I don't need to pitch. They already see the benefit of it. They already see how great it would be to be the star of the Los Angeles Lakers. And I'm t- I, I, uh, <laughs> I'll say this. I think there's a lot of stars out there, a lot of players right now, talk about the Knicks that have a, a really positive idea of like what it would be like to be the star of the Knicks. Like this idea of like how great it would be to, to, for this to work out there. And that's saying something like that's mm-hmm. no, there's a lot who don't want to touch it. There's a lot mm-hmm. who are afraid of it. Mm-hmm. That's not who you want. Right. You know what I mean? If, right. if you're right. afraid of being the star on the Knicks or playing in New York, that's, it's not for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not, it's, it's sort of self-selecting. So, I think when it comes down to it, you know, Leon, Leon is, a, is a good enough agent to know which players have the right mindset, the right makeup to, to come into a situation like this and, and succeed. I think he's, he, you know, you've got to be mentally tough. You've got to really understand how to handle all that kind of pressure. And, um, but you also got to want the, I mean, there's, there's certain players that want the cheer, the guard, and that love it. And you know who they are. I mean, you you see them every you see them out twice a year, right? Yeah. You see them come yeah. through the garden, like you can tell who gets up to play in the garden, who would thrive there, um, mm-hmm. and who doesn't. 
And so I, they're in really good position to go get somebody this year, next year, whenever, whenever that opportunity presents itself. I know you have to jump off, Ramon. I have one last yeah. one, if I sure. may. How much do you think teams around the league and how much are you paying attention to Philadelphia and what happens in the postseason with the Sixers and obviously James Harden's impending yep. free agency? Uh, what, what do you see there? I think that is uh, – there's, there's a couple franchises that have so much pressure on them this year um, because of the stakes, because of how much money they're spending, how much money they might have to spend. Um, I would say the Sixers, Minnesota's got a lot, lot out there. Um, guy punched the wall yesterday. He's due for a big deal. <laughs> Jade McDaniel's right. Um, but Philadelphia, I mean, it's felt tense there for years. Um, and so the question is like, at some point, like, when do you, when, have you seen enough from this group to say, okay, it's either going to work or not work? You know, are we still one transaction cycle away? Dallas is another. Are we, I think Dallas is one transaction cycle away, one or two. They made the big midseason trade, but they don't have the supporting cast. And mm-hmm. so you saw their depth get exposed. They can't play defense. They just need a lot more. Um, but with Philadelphia, like, they've had a couple transaction cycles now. Like, they had the James Harden trade last year. So they've had free agency last year. They had the trade deadline cycle. You know, they've had – and then we'll see what they do right now. I never am in a position where I say, okay, if they lose, they blow it off. I don't feel like we're there yet with them. Mm -hmm. I feel like they have maybe another transaction cycle to go. But some of the financial realities force decisions. And so James James has a decision to make, right? Does he want to stay there and roll with this team? When When you talk to him in person, he says all the right things. Like, I'm here to win. He's actually done a lot of the right things. Like, he's leading the league in assists, by the way. Yeah. You know? You know, we talk about, oh, the, the best play in basketball, the most efficient offensive play in basketball is the Harden and Bean pick and roll. Every time I watch footage mm-hmm. of it, I go, they're not really rolling. It's like a pick and pop. It's not like, <laughs> it's not like James throwing the ball and lobs to Clint Capella, but it's still right. a hell of an efficient play. So there's this feeling like, like it's not a perfect fit, but it still fits pretty well. And, like, let's see what happens. If they go out in round two again, I think they have to look in the mirror and say, okay, what are we doing here? Is this going to work long term? Do we do we need some more tweaks to the margin? Can we make some tweaks to the margins, or is it time to just redo things? But I, I think I'm watching that very carefully and closely, just because some of the financial decisions that have to be made, especially with Harden and Jane and, and Tyrese Maxey, um, due for an extension, are going to necessitate that. But I I still think they have a little they have a little runway here. <laughs> Well, Ramona, we appreciate you. Uh, you're yeah. not on the runway. You're stuck in L.A. traffic. You were nice enough to join us <laughs> yep. from the car. Thank you so much. You got I know it. You have Almost to jump. made it to the studio for you, but I'll, I got a nice <laughs> spot right over here by Dodger Stadium. I love it. I love it. And thank you, Ramona. Thanks, thank you so much. We will see you soon. You got it. Thanks, Ian. So, CP, right, let's start with, well, we talked a little bit before about kind of how the Knicks got here. But Ramona talked a lot about I thought Philadelphia. That was interesting. Do you – I mean, obviously the Knicks have the trade. They have the first-round picks. Mm-hmm. They have the players. So they can be involved in an MB potential transaction. Yeah. Do you see that as the missing piece? I think it could be. It could be based on what's out there and where this team's trajectory now is. Now winning forty-seven games, uh, Jalen Brunson playing at an All-Star level, Julius Randle as well. If James Harden suddenly bolts 
for the Houston Rockets, I have to think that Joel Embiid is at the top of Leon Rose's list. I mean, he is a Leon Rose's guy, a former client. And what will Joel Embiid's motivation be to stick around in Philadelphia for another rebuild, right? If, if Harden goes, goes over to the Rockets, I don't see how Philadelphia stays near the top of the East. And so that should make Joel Embiid available, and that, that should make it for an interesting offseason, whether it's this year or the next, for Leon Rose. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And when you, you look in the here now, though, obviously Cleveland, game one, Saturday, all eyes on Julius Randle and his health. And that's where the Nick focus is at the moment with Julius. You know, he was out of a boot when he was sitting on the bench yesterday at the Garden. And look, he was walking around slowly. So I don't want to put too much stock into it. But, you know, he still had a slight limp, but it seemed like he was, he was moving okay. So it seems like he's trending in the right direction. I don't know if he'll be ready Saturday. But if not, Obi Toppin, I think, is in a pretty good rhythm right now after playing big minutes uh, in, with Randall's absence. But what did you see from Toppin, and, and what do you think the Knicks will get from him in a playoff series? Yeah, with, with Obi, Ian, it's uh, more minutes, better play. It, it, they've always gone gone hand in hand with Obi Toppin since he's been here. And with Julius out all last week, this that was an opportunity for Obi Toppin to really emerge and, and show Tibbs like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm ready to go for the postseason. He shot the three ball very well. Uh, yes, in yesterday's loss against the, the Pacers, he rebounded the ball very well, which is a big, big uh, necessity for Obi Toppin to get consistent minutes once Julius Randle comes back. And then you saw the passing on display. All those skills that he showed at, at Dayton is really what he can show at, at the next level when he's a starter. And so you just hope that he can carry that over. I made the joke yesterday on yesterday's postgame show that this week off is kind of a bad time for guys like an Obi Toppin and Quentin Grimes because of the way that they're shooting the ball so well. But mm-hmm. his role is going to be very important because you just don't know what condition Julius Randle will be in. You hope that he's ready for game one, but what type of conditioning will he be in? Will he be ready? to jump into playoff intensity. Evan Mobley, a defensive player of the year candidate, hovering over him. It's, it's going to be a big adjustment for Julius Randle. And so Obi Toppin's role is going to be big, especially as a floor spacer. Yes, defensively and rebounding, they're going to need him. But as a potential floor spacer, to potentially draw a Mobley away from the basket is going to help all of the guards in their, in their uh, driving lanes. And hopefully the Knicks can play faster with Obi out there on the court. I'm looking at Obi. I'm also looking at Quentin Grimes. You mentioned it, CP. He shot it so well at the end of this season. He was in a great groove, and he was defending like he always defends. So I see him as a big element to this series. Excuse me. If he can continue to make shots as he has been, or even at a slightly uh, lower clip, and he can defend on the perimeter like he has been, I think that would be big for the Knicks. Obviously, it's his first playoff series, uh, so there's always, you know, an, an adjustment there for every player. But Grimes, he's really rolling right now heading into the end of the season. What do you see Mitchell Robinson, Jared Allen, uh, front line there, Knicks, Cavs? you think the Knicks have any advantage on Allen there? Yeah, I think they will, especially on the boards. And that's where Mitch is definitely going to be needed uh, to get the Knicks second chance opportunities as he's done so well uh, since he's been here. That's been his M.O., getting on the offensive glass. Because with the Cavaliers being the NBA's number one defense, best defensive rating in the league, number one in opponents' points per game, number one in opponents' points in the paint, uh, Mitch Robinson is going to be relied upon to clean up some of the Knicks' mistakes get them second chance opportunities to keep themselves in the game offensively. And so 
Cleveland as a team, they're not a, a great rebounding team, but with Allen and Mobley, you're going to have to contend with them in the paint. And so Mitchell Robinson versus Allen is a very important matchup. But what I've liked also is that Isaiah Hartenstein has been rebounding well as of late or over the last couple of months, actually. His, his rebounding has really improved. And so as a collective, as a team, they're going to have to be physical and get on the glass uh, to keep this Cavaliers team at bay on the offensive side and also get the Knicks second chance points. Um, on, when the Knicks are on offense. You know, we, we were talking to Mitch Robinson a little bit yesterday. He didn't have much to say about the Cavs or the playoffs. He, he was a man of few words. It seems like he didn't want to say too much, but he was asked about Jared Allen. Is he motivated to face him? He said, yeah, I'm always motivated, especially when you're going to play somebody over seven games. So I think healthy Mitchell Robinson didn't have him against Atlanta last uh, playoff series a couple of years ago. You have him now. I think he's going to make a big difference. Now, we have Matt Spenley joining us. He is going to relay a fan question or two. What's going on, Matt? Do we have Matt? All right, we're going to come back to Matt. And CP, you, I know you'll be, well, I don't want to uh, share your business. I'm not going to say that. But for you, as a longtime Nick fan, uh, how do you think the franchise right now is positioned in comparison to where they've been positioned under different regimes over the past two decades or so? Yeah, I think that the fear was going into the season was, are they stuck in the middle with these yeah. moves, right? Are, are they in no man's land? But the way this team has played this year, the way that they turned it around, especially since uh, Tibbs made that rotation change and they brought in more Tibbs guys like a Josh Hart, who you have to figure is going to be part of this team's future. Uh, I think they're positioned pretty well because they are competing. And then at the same time, they do have the draft capital and their young players are improving. A big part of the success this year to the 47 win season was that their young players. Yeah. Can you guys hear me? I think my. Yep. From, from quickly to Grimes to, to McBride, all those guys, I believe improved their stock, not just in terms of helping the team win, but in terms of making themselves um, appealing in terms mm -hmm. of the trade market. So I think the Knicks have positioned themselves well to continue to build on what they have here. And so we'll have to see what uh, what Leon Rose has cut out for him in the offseason. But it was a big-time bounce back from a lackluster offseason last year. I mean, this year, with the hard acquisition, Hartenstein as well, and then seeing all of your young draft picks contributing, that was a big win for Leon this year. Good bounce back. Yeah, they're in a strong position for everything that you just said, CP, in the, even in the playoffs because they have depth, right? Josh Hart always says, you know, yeah. we have starters coming off the bench himself, Emmanuel Quickly, Isaiah Hartenstein. Their, their numbers, just when those three are on the floor together, their net rating is tremendous. So they do have strong reserves. Uh, it's a chess match a little bit in the playoffs, so Tom Thibodeau's going to have a lot of decisions to make, and we're going to – Hopefully hear more from Thibodeau later this week uh, up at practice. Right now, we're going to go back to Matt Spenley, uh, SNY's social guru, and we're going to ask him for some fan questions. My bad, CP. I was just so excited to make sure you could hear me this time. I had to cut you off. That's all. <laughs> no problem. That's my bad. <laughs> all right. This was a kind of a – I want to ask you guys about RJ, and we'll start with CP just because I think, you know, uh, Keith Sinclair is in the comments asking about the key player matchups. And I know RJ yesterday – uh, after the the final game is kind of talking about how he's he's looking forward to the matchup, uh, obviously in the trade rumors for Mitchell. But Mitchell aside, just 
as we get to the playoffs, how do you see RJ making his biggest possible impact in the series? Hey, everyone. Alex here. Has there ever been a moment in your life where you're trying to buy a ticket to an event and it was just a hassle? You know, trying to find them at the last minute, hunting down the best price, competing with other buyers for that popular event you're trying to attend? For me, it was buying Knicks tickets not too long ago. As you know, I'm out here in Boston, and when the Knicks were in town, it was just a pain in the butt to get some tickets. And buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be that stressful. So download the app GameTime or go to GameTime.co. GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. If you're in the New York area right now and you're a sports fan, there's a couple things that you may want to check out. You know, the Giants are in town facing the Yankees, so maybe you want to head over to Yankee Stadium. If you're a Knicks fan like me, the Wizards are going to be in town, so maybe you want to go over to MSG and rock your orange and blue. Or maybe you're a Mets fan. You got the home opener next week. Miami Marlins will be in town. So why not check that out? Either way, make sure to use the GameTime app because it's simple and easy to use. Also, they got flash deals and you can always find tickets at the last minute. And if you're like me, you want to know where you're sitting and what your seats look like. And they always give you images of the seats and the views. GameTime is the place for the last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app or go to gametime.co, create an account, and use the code KFTV for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code KFTV for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Yeah, well, there's no doubt that he's going to have to shoot the ball a lot better than he did this regular season. Shooting 31% from three is not going to cut it, especially the fact that the Cavaliers are going to allow him to shoot. The Cavaliers are going to give up a ton of threes. And so with their ability to protect the paint, as well as they do with the Twin Towers, it's going to be imperative for these Knicks supporting casts outside of Brunson and especially R.J. Barrett to shoot the ball well. And so if he doesn't have that opportunity to do so with that starting unit, then I'm going to look again for him to exploit the Cavs' second unit when R.J.'s out there with Quickly and with Hart, with Hart and Stein, with Obi, because that should be his time to really assert himself, do what he does best, attack the basket with force, with aggression, draw contact, and try to finish better at the rim. So he's going to have to find his spots offensively if he's not able to shoot the three ball well. But on the defensive side of things, he's also going to have to deliver because there will be times when, okay, he might have a Coro in the, in, in the starting unit, but there may be times where he might have to draw a Karis LeVert. And a guy like a Karis LeVert has the capability to get it going in bunches. And so RJ's defense is still going to be relied upon in this series to help this Knicks team win. Yeah, CP, you mentioned RJ, especially with the second unit. Uh, Diane A is in the comments asking, do you think the edge will come down to the bench in this series? So, Ian, your thoughts on the second units, how those could end up playing out in this first-round matchup? I wouldn't say that the edge is, the series is going to come down to that. I think in the playoffs, it's about how your stars perform, and then uh, you, it falls from there. So if Julius Randle comes to play, Jalen Brunson, 
comes to play, it's going to be a competitive series. As you saw a couple of years ago, if Julius Randle struggles, Jalen Brunson struggles, the Knicks are going to struggle as a whole. But you look at the Knicks bench and you have to, I think, say that they have an edge right now because of the Josh Hart acquisition, because of the way Isaiah Hartenstein's been playing and because of the way Emmanuel quickly has been playing. Those three have been fantastic uh, for a long time now. So they've done it long enough to where it's not a fluke and you can expect them to perform at a high level in the playoffs. I think because of that, the Knicks uh, do have the edge for off the bench. But I, I will say, usually there's an axiom in the NBA where your bench players play well at home in the playoffs, yeah. don't play as well on the road in the playoffs. That might be where the Knicks get hurt in terms of being the fifth seed, not having home court advantage. But let's see how it plays out. Yeah, you never know. Even the way that this team has played well on the road, yep. <laughs> it may be yep. a benefit for them this year. But I certainly agree with you. I think I give the Knicks the edge on the bench. Quickly's playing like a starter. He's, he's a borderline star right now for this team in a very important role. Josh Hart, he's going to be logging heavy minutes, and he's going to allow the Knicks to have continuous defense and pressure on Donovan Mitchell, whether it's Quentin Grimes and Grimes is on the bench, then you go to Hart. And then Hart, his intangibles uh, speak for themselves in terms of the impact on, on this Knicks bench. But I agree with Ian. The playoffs is where stars put on the show and the Knicks need Julius Randle in a worse way to deliver. It, it's great, yes, to see when he's out, not out there. You see the team ball, the ball moves well. But in the playoffs and it grinds to a half court, your stars have to deliver there, and that's where Julius is going to come in handy. Perfect segue from CP, because we got another question from my two cents. What's the biggest story of the series, Donovan Mitchell versus the Knicks, win or lose, playoff Randall, win or lose? So I think let's kind of just hone in on this part of it for a second, and then we can move on to Mitchell. It's just the Julius Randall in the playoffs narrative. We talked about it. His health is kind of up in the air. I know, Ian, you, you talked yesterday after the game about his status for the series. So going into the series, Ian, what, what can we expect from Randall? Do we expect him to be healthy for game one? What kind of insight do you think you got there? I would just assume that he's not going to be 100% in five days, uh, but that's just an assumption, right, based on the ankle sprain and based on that, the Knicks saying they were going to reevaluate him in two weeks. So I would assume that if you get him in game one, he's not 100%. Maybe he's got to get his win back, has to get his rhythm back, and that presents a challenge for the Knicks to put him in the best uh, situation to succeed and also to kind of navigate through their their best their second best offensive player not being at his best. So with the Randall narrative, when you talk about, you know, is he going to bounce back after the rough playoff series against the Hawks? You know, his health, I think, is the, the paramount factor here. And if he's healthy, uh, he's going to be a, a different Julius Randall. And if he's not healthy and he can't give you that burst off the dribble where he's really physical in the paint, uh, with his defenders, he's not going to be as effective. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, too, with with Obi playing well, if Randall is not at 100%, and we know if Julius is, is going to be on the court, he's going to play. And, you know, we have all said this. If he's there, he's going to be playing the vast majority of minutes, especially in the postseason. Um, but if they need Obi a little bit more, we'll see what he can provide. CP, I want to hit the other part of the question. How much do you actually care about this Donovan Mitchell narrative going into this series? Is this something that you're really keeping an eye on? We know it's going to be a national story. It's kind of the headline, but... Yeah. How much do you really care about that going into it? None at all. I haven't cared since the trade was made. <laughs> right now, I'm focused on the Knicks. The Knicks are still hot. They went 37-22 and 22 since they made the turnaround in December. Yeah, Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle playing at an all-star level. Emmanuel quickly in his third year, your draft pick in the sixth man of the year 
conversation. Knicks had a great season this year. And so, yes, the Mitchell stuff will be hot and juicy for TV at game one. But the story here, it's Julius Randle. It's the health of Julius. The Knicks need Julius back to win this series. And so I'm not worried about the Mitchell stuff. That, that's gone. That's in the rearview mirror. And, and on top of that, you had a ton of Knicks young players contribute to the success of this season. So I, I think both sides have benefited here. And this is the most excited Knicks fans have been going into a playoff series. I mean, you know, the Celtics series in 12-13, we had expected them to win. The Hawks series didn't go our way, but going into it, you know, uh, I think it will be of interest. I agree with you on Mitchell. I mean, it, for us, it's, it's about the Knicks and what they've got. Uh, Sean P. is asking, do you think the Knicks have a sweep in them? What do you think, guys? <laughs> no, I mean, Sean, I, I respect the passion and the optimism. Love the confidence. Uh, I'm going to... I'm going to risk getting put on old takes exposed here. I'm saying no way. The Knicks can, will not sweep this series. I mean, it's too even. Four or yeah. five series, you rarely see sweeps, and I don't think you're going to see it with this series. Yeah. Let's set that part then. Predictions. CP, how do you think the series plays out? Hey, I, told, I told Dexter yesterday, Knicks in six, and I'm sticking to it. Knicks in six. I'm yeah. going to go uh, my head and my gut both say Cavs in seven, but I do think Julius Randle, he's going to bounce back quickly from that ankle injury. So my on-record prediction is Knicks in six as well. I'm Knicks in six as well. We're three for three here, fellas. I love that. That's a pair. There it is. There it is. Well, Matt, CP, we appreciate you joining us. Ramona Shelburne joining us earlier. Thank you, Ramona. That'll be it for us right now, but we will be back on Friday with another edition of the Putback getting into the nitty-gritty on the Knicks-Cavs series game one that next day on Saturday. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply.